Hallo, ich bin Sandrine. Hola, me llamo Christa. Welcome to Step Into Mondays, the podcast where we bridge the theory and the practice. That's right, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was like, did I use the right combination word? I'll tell you what, I've been taking a couple of days off and it feels like so good, but my brain is so completely fried now that it doesn't know where it's going anymore. I hear you. So anyway, shall we jump into it? Sure. All right. So what are we talking about today? <laughs> well, we had um, Victoria Russell on talking to us about online uh, teaching. And she had mentioned so many great ideas that we thought we needed to co go back and revisit a few of them. One of them is the getting started module. Right. Uh, because it's, it's, to me, it's best practice, not just for online teaching, but I now also use it in all of my face-to-face -face classes as well. And It honestly saves so much time throughout the semester and so many emails and so many questions and headaches that it's a, one of the best things that I've ever done was the getting started module. Yeah, and I finally did it um, this semester and I was remote, so I was doing it online, but synchronously. And I still went ahead and did it. And you are right. It saved so much time because students were not asking me, oh, where do I find this? Or how do I do this? It was more limited to other elements further down. So I think some of those principles I'm going to apply. Um, like when I have an assignment, I think I'm going to start having the assignment and some little module where I'm explaining it. That way they can watch it time and time and time again. And they don't have to come and make me spend, you know, half of my class time because they keep asking questions. Right. right. So, yes, the getting started module. So, yes, the episode with Victoria, which if you have not listened to it, stop this episode. Go find Victoria's episode. It's just the one before. So it was episode 41. No, 40. No, 41. Sorry. 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 It was episode 41. Um, which is right before this one, listen to everything she has to say. So you have your point of reference and um, the theory and everything. And um, and we could have kept talking to her for hours um, and then come back to this to see about the specifics of the getting started module, mm -hmm. because it is an important one, not just online. So don't think, oh, well, I'm in person because it still applies to you, all, to all of you. So let's talk about that getting started unit. So we basically have two elements. There is the uh, how to section, right? Where we show them how to do some stuff. And then there is more of an, what I'll call an overview section, right? Where we're just showing them, this is how this works and And, you know, here is where you can find that more than the how-to that might be more hands-on for them. 
So which one do you want to start with? How to or overview? Um, well, I think, honestly, when you're talking about your getting started module, the first thing is the welcoming email. Mm -hmm. And so um, I do that for all of my classes. Now, I know that, you know, you and I both teach university level, um, but you, um, you can do that with your high school students as well. You mm -hmm. send a welcoming email and tell a little bit about yourself and that you're really looking forward to the year. And this is what we're planning to do. And, you know, just in that kind of gets them, it, it lets them know that you are super excited um, that they are um, going to be in your class and just, it kind of sets the tone, that positive tone for the, for the year. It yeah. does. And I added in mine, I added what to expect on day one. Oh, that's a good idea too. Yes. Because it was like, okay, so we, you know, here is what we have. Here is what we have going on. You have the get it started module on the LMS. So you go and check it out. And day one, here is what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And it was even more important this semester because it was so different. But I think for them to have a little bit of that expectation is probably a nice thing, especially since we typically blindside them with target language. Right, <laughs> right. Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I do think that that is a, a good idea. Which it is the first thing, but in my list of items to cover the welcome email is the very last thing that I do. Right, because I want to make sure that I have planned everything else before I get to that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know when you write yours, but mine is the very last thing that I do. I create my whole getting started unit first, my module, and then I'll do the email. That way, maybe I don't forget to tell them about something. Right. Potentially important. So yes, so that goes in there. Let's talk about the overview because we have the welcome email. And then in your getting started unit, you can also have a welcome letter, which would be the first thing that they see. And I think this would have basically the same information you'd have in the email. You might not have day one information, maybe not as many details, but you'd have that. Yeah, welcome to my class. This is what we're going to do. This is who I am. That kind of setting setting the tone from the from the gate right mm -hmm. so what all do you have in your overview that you're going over that you're showing them um well i show them where to find the syllabus mm -hmm. <laughs> because i i've actually had students go i don't understand i can't find the syllabus and i have literally taken a screenshot of the home page with an arrow because my syllabus is right up there. You've got my name, my email address, and then the syllabus. And so it's kind of like, wow, how, how could you, you know, not get that? But there is a lot. So they get a little bit overwhelmed sometimes. Yes. So um, I generally, I show them the syllabus. I show them how I want them to navigate the course mm -hmm. um, because nothing is more frustrating than when a student emails me and says, um, I don't know how I am supposed to complete this assignment because you didn't teach us anything. Right. 
and I go, well, did you go through the module? Because there's this video and this video. And they're like, what module? Because they just went straight mm-hmm. through the assignment. Right. And didn't bother to do anything else. So that's really frustrating. So I, I show them where to find the syllabus. I show them how to access the modules because that is where I want them to go. And they have to progress through the modules, um, you know, step by step. Now there are some learning management systems where you can actually lock the modules mm-hmm. and they cannot proceed into the next assignment until they complete the previous one. And while in theory that sounds really awesome in practice it's a mess (laughs) I had that I accidentally had that set in one of my courses um, at the beginning of the semester I didn't realize it and what happened was Kaltura didn't work and it's the it's kind of like Kaltura is kind of like Edpuzzle um, but it's, it's what UAB uses and it's embedded into our Canvas learning management system. And so Kaltura was not working. So the students couldn't complete anything in the module because <laughs> they couldn't complete that video. And it was like, oh my gosh, it was a nightmare. So the kids were all frustrated. I could, if I, it won't let me get to this and that and the other. And it was, it was a nightmare. So if you have some kind of, you know, glitch with your technology and it took Kaltura a few weeks to get all of that worked out. Cause I think they were just so overwhelmed with everything starting this fall. Mm-hmm. Um, that did not work really well. So I emphasize a lot how they navigate that. I show them um, you know, where to find additional resources, because I do have an additional resources page. Um, I show them where they can find help for all the different technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that if it's Canvas, you click here. If it's Connect, you click here. If it's your own computer, you click here, you know, and emphasize that I can't fix it because they'll be like, um, my page isn't loading. Well, okay. I what 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 can I do for that? You know, I really can't do anything. Right, and I think to go back to what you were saying, showing them how to access the units, all of that, we tend to have a lot of freshmen in our classes, yes. and they're coming into a different world. They haven't seen it. All of the sudden, they have to find that information, and we talk about digital natives, which is a very um, how, what am I trying to say? It's not an appropriate term for them because yes, they have grown up with technology, but if it's not in an app, they don't exactly know how to navigate it. They're, they're a little bit scared to go and click on things where I guess we learned it as it was developing. So we click on everything and we're like, it's not going to blow up in our face and we'll figure out a way to fix it if we, may, if we do you know, something wrong. But they're used to apps that are simplified. You know, if you think about Instagram, Snapchat, yes, it might seem weird to us, but it's a little bit more intuitive. And so these LMS are not. So it's very important because we assume that they know. And really they don't. And if you get a freshman, especially in the fall, that's very stressful to them. So... 
And that's another reason, honestly, why this getting started module is so important is because, and I've had my students, they tell me, thank you so much. No other teacher has cared whether or not we even knew how Canvas worked and how to find our assignments or anything like that. And so giving them this, they've actually taken it and used it in their other courses as well. Right. So, yeah. So I've gotten very positive feedback on that. Mm -hmm. Well, in our, um, where I'm teaching now with the textbook, there are videos that go along with the chapters and they have access to it in the LMS, but it's not under my course because it's housed in a general part where they don't understand that they have a hard time with that. Cause I tell them, Oh, go find it. That's where it is. Well, I have had in class to show them and go, okay, I see you click here, you click here, and then you have it here. And they're like, mm -hmm. Oh, okay. But you know, I didn't realize they didn't know that when I first started where I'm teaching and the students asked me the first semester and I was like, oh, okay. So I knew the following semester, one of the first thing I did in class was like, okay, guys, here is, I'm showing you, here is where you're seeing this. But like you and I have said in class, they can have a moment of inattention. Maybe they weren't there because they arrived late or maybe they were sick or something and then they don't have it. So then you have to show it again and again and again. So you have the video. And you're like, hey, here it is. It helps them. Right. And they have access to it even before you start your course. Mm -hmm. So they can take time before classes start to peruse through it and go and discover. And then when your class is starting, they're like, okay, I know where I'm going in the LMS. Right. I, we've gone over the syllabus. I know what I'm going to be doing in this class. Right. So that helps. And, you know, I've, I've, I mean... I've seen it with my own children. Mm -hmm. uh, when my son started chemistry, I mean, he had no idea where the teacher had posted the first lecture video. Right. I mean, he couldn't find it anywhere. And the teacher had put it in, uh, you know, something called files. Well, I mean, let's face it. I would have never thought to go to something called files if I'm looking for a video. To me, files is paper, documents. You know, to me, it's generic. So whatever hodgepodge, you exactly. know, stuff it, you have, you're just going to throw it into files, the extraneous. Well, and it, and it costs them a lot of unnecessary stress and mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, I mean, well, and it started off on the wrong foot. It started him off on the wrong foot with this, with this professor and with Absolutely. this class. Because yes. he's already like, okay, I can't even find the material that I'm supposed to have, you know. <laughs> So yeah, that's another thing that the getting started module does. It, it starts, it helps you to start off with your students on the right foot. Mm -hmm. And it, it gives the impression that you are very well organized, exactly. which let's face it, I'm not. And you, you know, the thing is you don't want your video to be long. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I use Screencast-O-Matic. They have a free version um, for 15 minutes. And so my video, my course overview is about 10 minutes because you don't want it to be long. They're not going to pay attention. No. You hit the most important things. And like she was saying, the most commonly asked questions. Um, and really having to put my course online is what helped me with this module so much because we do so many incidental little things in our face-to-face -face classes. If a student has a question, well, it's really hard to do that in an online class 
Um, and so I started kind of compiling a list of all the questions that I would get. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired of answering this email. I obviously need to include this. I need to do something for mm -hmm. it. So yeah, so it's definitely, um, definitely worth it. So you do your course overview, super, super simple, you know, no more than 10 minutes. Right. And then, yes, that's probably my longest one, the one on the syllabus, the rest of them are about two minutes, two and a half minutes. And then I might do, I'd rather do multiple ones that are two minutes each rather than do a longer one that's going to be four or five minutes. Right. Because they're so, not paying attention. Right. There is that because they're, they're used to that quick thing and you want to get in it very quickly, right? Because remember that that generation, we have eight seconds to grab their attention or they're dismissing us, so. Right, and so, you know, this kind of goes back, I mean, when you're planning this module, you kind of do have to do the backward design, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, so what are our goals for this module? We want them to be able to use the technology. So we have to really think about the technology that we are going to use throughout the course. Now that's not to say that if you go to a conference and you see some super cool new tool that you can't use it because it wasn't in your getting started module. But I think um, one of the takeaways that I've really learned is the whole cognitive load issue. Mm -hmm. And so with your level one learners, um, you know, the getting started module is all in English, all of the technology and everything that they're learning is in English. And so if you found something new, some type of cultural topic, perhaps if you're, you know, if, if the technology lends itself to that, so that they're still learning about the target culture, etc. And they're um, learning the technology, but they don't have that extra overload of the language. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that, you know, you balance all of that out, but you've got to think about your course overall and what is it that they absolutely have to use um, in order to be successful in this course. So, I mean, your essential question is what technology do I, should I be able to use, right? In order to um, be successful in this course. I mean, so that's kind of what you wanna do. And, you know, I can submit an assignment. You wanna make all of your can do statements and I can do this, that, and the other. What is your acceptable evidence? Well, they're actually going to do all of these things to demonstrate to you that they can. So you've got to start, you know, start from the backward design principle as always. So, um, you know, we definitely realized that they need an overview of how to navigate the course. And then the next thing I do is I, how do they submit an assignment? I give them. Well, in the overview, we also have the, how to the the staying organized the success tips oh i thought that was a i do mine as a separate video yeah yeah but they're they're in the different little overview videos in that what i would call that category of an overview where they're they're not necessarily engaging with it oh i see so you yours is set up a little different than mine okay mm -hmm. I mean, it all kind of ends up bold into the same thing because overview is the first thing they're going to do because they have all of their little videos. Um, then some of them I have, no, that's in the proficiency unit. I was going to say some of them I have that are linked to an ed puzzle because then they're going to interact with it a little bit. And then I have my how to with the post and assignment, the accent, all of that. 
Oh, see, because I have I have my like orientation video, my overview video of how you navigate the LMS, how you find your syllabus, all that kind of stuff. Then the next thing I have is I have all of the technology. And then the very last one is how to be successful in this course. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So I do mine a little different. Yeah. I mean, there are multiple ways to yeah. organize it. And as we were brainstorming with everything, I was just thinking more in terms, not necessarily what clumps they might be in to, if I can use that word, but I was thinking more of like the ones where they're going to be more interactive with it where this versus the ones where they're discovering something and not necessarily interacting with that. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can do a how to be successful in this course um, video, whether it's face to face or online. Mm hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Because we always think, oh, they've been in school for however many years, they know how to learn, but languages is different. Exactly. So exactly. we have to, we have to teach them that, which is why the proficiency unit we do is so important. Right. Mm -hmm. So yes, absolutely. Um, in there. Um, okay. So you do something with the honor code as well don't you ours is built into the syllabus and the university as a whole has them take a pledge so i don't do anything separate but you do right um yes well we have it's our uab academic you know integrity and honor code yes and basically it's just set up that they sign their name agreeing that they're going to abide by it Mm -hmm. um, so they do that. And so, and, you know, and of course it's like you type in your name here, you're agreeing to abide by all the blah, blah, blah. And I do the same thing for the syllabus. I have a syllabus disclosure that says I have read, understood, and agreed to comply with all of the rules, assignments, deadlines in the syllabus, blah, blah, blah. And they have to sign that because I'm not having them come back to me and go, well, that wasn't clear. I didn't understand. Oh, really? Then why did you sign that you did? Right. So I have those two things, but before they sign the syllabus disclosure, I have a syllabus activity. So um, again, I, I do a screencast with Screencast-O-Matic and I do a video, um, you know, going through the important points of the syllabus, how they're going to be graded, you know, all those kind of things. And I've, and then they take a quiz on that video. So they do that before they do the syllabus disclosure. So um, I go through, they have their orientation, they sign that they're not going to cheat, they watch the syllabus video, they sign the syllabus disclosure, <laughs> all those kind of, uh, you know, housekeeping things, if you will. And they do it all online so that I'm not spending my class time on admin stuff. Which is very important. And that's why it's important for them to have access to it before class starts. And any of the getting started unit, if there is an assignment attached to it or something they have to complete, I give them a week past the day the class officially starts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because then it gives time for the ad drop because we we always have a little bit of shift in our class, right? Somebody who comes in a little bit late. And so then they're like, oh, well, I didn't have time to do this because of that, uh, you know, all of that stuff. So I always give them a week that tends to cover the whole gamut right. of what yes, we have. <laughs> yeah. 
So I think our staying organized and success tips, don't we use the same thing? Because we started from an article that we came across at one point in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. And then we adapted it into into a little bit more of a virtual, more hands-on document that's a little presentation, video presentation that gives them the nitty-gritty of it, right? Right, right. And, you know, in my online courses, I have a, 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 again, a course overview page, and it says to complete this module, you need to, and it says, you know, activity one, two, three, all the different things they're supposed to do for that week. And it also has an estimated time mm -hmm. outside it. So what I have done too, because a lot of times kids have a hard time managing their time in an online class. Mm -hmm. and so I have, um, I have a, basically a, a video every week that, um, you know, it's like start here <laughs> and I go over the can do statements with them for that week you know, I can introduce myself, I can say how old I am, those kind of things. And I'm like, and here is a suggested schedule for you. And I tell them, you know, on Monday, you should do this on Tuesday, you should do this. And I kind of and I'm like, and that way, because one of the tips for success is to schedule time every day to sit down you know, at the same time, just like you would a regular course, if you have a course Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 9am, 9, 9 you know, you're going to be there. So you need to say, okay, I'm going to make my time, you know, maybe Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, or whatever, at 8pm after work or something, and you sit down and you, you know, do that work. So I kind of give them a suggested schedule. And I remind them that if they wait until Sunday when everything is due, um, you know, they're going to be sitting there for five hours. <laughs> and you, because you have to give them those, those kind of um, strategies for success, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is important. Okay, so let's look at the how-tos. So where we have a little bit more hands-on showing them more like, you know, you're going to have to do this, you're going to have to do that. So one that's important, um, I would think in any of the languages that we're teaching is how to make accent mark or die. No, I'm not even going to try and say it. Any of the marks that we would not have in the English language, because if you have a Mac and a lot of students don't that don't know that, but if you have a Mac, you just press the letter, you hold it, you get a little pop-up menu that gives you which one do you want with the additional sign, you tap whatever number matches it and ta-da, you have it. It works in virtually anything that you might be using, except for Google, because Google is a little bit different. So you have to have the the add-ons, but if they have any other system, they have no idea whatsoever about any special character. Exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, we talk about Gen Z and they really are Gen Y, <laughs> as in W-H-Y. Why do we have to do this? Why do we have to do that? So I always start my um, accent mark assignment explaining why mm -hmm. why do we have why do we have to know about accent marks and i talk to them about how they can change you know the meaning of words and you know i give them some examples um you know especially in spanish 
L E L. If it doesn't have an accent mark, it means the, you know, the definite article. If it does, it's he, a subject pronoun. Um, they're pronounced the same, but I mean, written, they're completely different words. So I go through some of that and then I just give them some sentences to type out to where they have to practice putting um, the accent marks in. Now this is for 101, mind you, okay? This is for 101. And then I make sure, I give them a website and then I'm like, this is important. The website may not work for you. It's your responsibility to learn how to make accent marks on your specific computer. If the websites here don't work on your computer, you have to Google it. And I tell them, you've got to go to Google and say, how do you make accent marks on A? And then whatever kind of computer you have so that they have to do it. And on my video, basically, that is what I showed them. I just showed them, okay, here is how you're going to find out for your own particularly device. Go to Google and I have it where I'm typing it. How do I make accent mark on? And then I have, and, and Google is super good because then it pulls all the potential um, devices, right? Because all the potential questions to finish it up. So I put it on them a little bit more, but um, yeah, same ID. Do you yeah. have to do that? Absolutely. Of course, you know, then as you go along with some of your other um, courses as they go higher level two, I mean, it never hurts to do a refresher. So, I mean, I have these, um, I have these assignments, they're just slightly, um, they'll just, they're just slightly tweaked you know, um, for the higher levels, but they need to, um, they need to be uh, reminded of this. I mean, they may have forgotten over the summer, right? So even if you're in level two or something, um, they, they will need that. Well, and honestly, what I figured out is that we tend to think, oh, higher level, they know better. But I have had freshmen in introduction to literature classes. Oh. And sometimes they might test higher. And so they might still be freshmen. They don't exactly know. So I put it there. And for the higher levels, it's not necessarily a must do section. Because I did assign a grade to that whole unit for my 101, my 102 classes because I want them to go through and do it. And we know that we have to give them a carrot so they will do anything. So the carrot is the grade. Um, but for the higher level, I put it up and I said, if you feel that you need it, here it is. You have the information so you can find it. So then they don't come back and go, well, I don't know how to do this because it's like, well, the information is there for you and go and learn. Right. So yes, and I mean, accent marks, maybe they haven't had to worry about doing that on any, on any kind of computer until now. So maybe they are, they have a higher level, but everything they did was by hand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's always good to know. Yeah. Um, so it, what else in the how-to, the accent mark, what else do you well, show them? I was going to say, so on the accent marks, on the lower levels, I give them sentences that they just practice, but in the higher levels, I tell them, okay, now you've got to come up with your own original sentences where you type accent marks. And I'm like, you've got to have all of your accent marks included. And I said, you can write, um, 
you know, five or six different sentences, or if you want to be challenged, see if you can use every single one of those in one sentence, you know, so that they're, they still, it's a little bit more of a challenge for them. So I do, I don't give them the exact same assignment. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, you obviously we. Yes. Depending on the level. Right. So, yeah. so after that, I also, in every class, I have them take a screenshot. I, they have to learn how to take a screenshot of their computer. Um, and what's really interesting to me about this one is I give them information. Again, if you have a Mac, go here. If you have a PC, you may have to Google your specific type of PC and then take a screenshot of the home page of this course. So half the time I get a screenshot of the page that says how to take a screenshot. <laughs> and then sometimes I get a picture that they've taken with their phone. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's so not what I was wanting, but I mean, it does work. Um, and why would you think that taking a screenshot is important? It's because it's documentation. And I tell them this in the overview, that orientation video, I say, look, you may think that this is this is ridiculous, some of this stuff in the getting started module, but it's absolutely essential. And I, and I explained to them about taking a screenshot. I said, that's going to save you mm -hmm. if you have waited until 1150 on Sunday night to try and upload your assignment and something goes wrong, canvas crashes or whatever, you take a screenshot of the issue. It's got the time stamp on it so i'm like well you did try to get this in before the deadline so i will accept it late once the technology is working i'm like so it benefits you if you don't take a screenshot and you don't send it to me <laughs> then you are not going to i mean i'm not going to take your work late well and it also helps sometimes they have a question maybe on the homework assignment on something else and they'll you get that email that say can you explain this to me okay i don't know what you're talking about because i am dealing with multiple classes i did that more than likely months ago or weeks ago so I don't remember what I did yesterday. So don't come and ask me about something like that. I don't remember the specific of that activity either. But, you know, you, you gave the answer. It told you it was wrong. You take a screenshot of it, send it to me, say, I don't understand why is this wrong. Can you explain it to me? Now we can talk. Yeah. It saves time on both ends because then I'm going to come back to you and going to have to have more information and you're going to have to send that back to me and I'm going to go have to go find it where you take a screenshot, you send it to me, I look at it, I, I completely, you know, see immediately what the problem is. I respond back to you and say, oh, you didn't make a mistake. It's just not the same way it wanted you to respond. Or, oh, well, here you forgot the accent. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, here, whatever other issue there is and you can explain it, boom, it's done. Right, right. I've had students, I've had students um, screenshot a quiz. Why is this answer wrong? And I go, hmm, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but 
in and you know sometimes I was this doesn't happen as much anymore I'm a lot more careful but when I was first building the course and I had so many quizzes to get into the course mm -hmm. sometimes I would get in such a hurry that I would actually forget to click the right answer yes and it always defaults you know to a mm -hmm. and so I you know most of the time I look at it I go oh it's telling you the answer is a that means I forgot to click what the actual right answer was <laughs> yeah because I got into such a hurry. So uh, yeah, so taking a screenshot actually is an, is, a, is an important skill. And it's one that I use as a professional a lot of times. Yes. Uh, I know fairly recently I was working on some training. I was having issues logging in. It wasn't taking me to the right place. I just took a screen, screenshot, sent it to the person and said, okay, this is what I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. So then she could see and go, okay, here's what I'm seeing and we could work on it. Yes. Um, it helps. So it's good for students. We use it all the time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. And I think you and I have done that too, where we might be like, oh, have you seen that? And we'll just have a screenshot of whatever the, that might've been. Mm -hmm. So very important. Um, and then we do have the one on how to post an assignment, right? Because in the LMS, we ask them to do assignments and they have to figure out how to do them. Yes. And we can't, again, we cannot assume that they know what it's going to look like or how it's going to work. Well, and so I think too, it depends on what your learning management system is. Canvas has fabulous videos already made. So mm -hmm. you can just link to those videos. I think Blackboard does too. Um, yeah, but, Moodle is a little bit more lacking. Well, it, yeah. So, and you, you really don't think about how stressful that is, but I mean, seeing my own children. So they, my daughter's school system uses Schoology. So they had learned how to use Schoology, but then she was doing her all state choir auditions and she had to upload her videos mm -hmm. for that using Google Classroom. Mm. Yeah, and, I wouldn't know where to start with that. And she was completely panicked. She's like, mom, ah. and I was like, okay, let's calm down. They <laughs> said, and what was interesting too, that I, I really found, you know, interesting, fascinating was that they had sent written instructions. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, well, let's print them out. Let's open up Google Classroom. Let's go through here. Step one, here's step two. And, you know, Emma said, why couldn't she have just made a video to show us this? You know, because they don't want to read and follow the steps. But um, yeah, it caused her, she was so incredibly stressed. Of course, once we followed the steps, she goes, well, this is easier than Schoology. So, you know, but it really does cause them a great deal of anxiety. Mm -hmm. It does. So, it does. I, yeah, I always have the link to the video, but I tell them, I'm like, if you know how to submit an assignment, then you don't need to watch the video. How am I going to know if you watch the video? I'm not. Um, but then I do have them complete an assignment. And again, the assignment changes slightly depending on the level. So, you know, in 101, of course, they write it in English introducing themselves because they should not know any Spanish if they're in level one. <laughs> you would hope, but yeah. Right. But then I, you know, in level two and three and on up, I have them do it in Spanish um, 
to so that I can get to know them and that I can kind of gauge their writing and do they you know where are the gaps what what level do I think they are you know what proficiency level are they demonstrating on this particular assignment etc and I keep those so that I can refer back to them and include some of their information in later activities during during class mm -hmm. You know, so it, it does serve a purpose later. They're going, wow, everything she does has, you know, a purpose behind it. Right. And that's what this generation really, really wants. Mm -hmm. Yes, so, we have to be very intentional in what we do with them. Yeah. Um, and then in your how to you use discussion boards as well, don't you? Yes. Um, it's something kind of new. You know, I tried it a few years ago, very unsuccessfully. Um, you know, I was one of those I, um, that I went to this great work, um, webinar this summer by Florencia Henshaw and on discussion boards. And she said, you know, most of the time we say write about, you know, bread or whatever, and then comment on classmates posts. And so the comments are all like, wow, I like that you talked about bread. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's there's no meaningful anything and so i kind of how you use the word bread yes like how you put baguette instead of bread <laughs> yes exactly and i thought that's exactly the kind of garbage that i was getting you know mm -hmm. so she had some different ideas and i thought i'm gonna try it again so um I, that's what i did so um i have them like in my 201 class it's a photo is worth a thousand words that's kind of the title of it so the first thing they're going to do because i just want them to get to know each other and build community so in my class the, the purpose of the discussion board is to build a community mm -hmm. and to provide them with a free space to take risks with their language okay i don't i don't grade them for uh, grammatical accuracy it's right. basically a credit no credit I want you to to just take a risk in the language so what I have them do is they post a picture that they feel represents themselves then they go and look at the post of their classmates and they ask some questions to their classmates about this you know particular photo and you, why did you choose this particular photo what does it mean etc etc and then you know of course the student has to answer those questions that's a follow-up for them to answer those questions just to kind of get to know each other um you know and that's that's it that's a basic one in my 201 class so that would be third semester and so they are doing that all in Spanish. They're mm -hmm. asking the questions, answering. And again, that helps me gauge their, okay, maybe we need to go back and review how, the structure of questions or different types of questions, those kinds of things. You, you might be struggling with that or something. Um, you know, but like in my 101 class, you know, it's like what interests you? So I have them write a description about whatever it is that interests them, but they can't tell us what it is. And then the students read that and respond to, you know, like what you think is being described. And so what, like what uh, one of them would be like, the thing that interests me is a form of art. It is almost everywhere and in everything. It can be in many genres and it makes you feel different 
emotions. So that was his description. So then the students would go in and read that and go, hmm, is it music? Is it this? Is it that? And then it was music, by the way. So uh -huh. they go in and answer that. So in the in the getting started unit module, your how to on the discussion board, is it do you show them where to find the discussion board, the topics, how to answer? And then yes. they have that first assignment yes. is doing that, introducing themselves or? Yes, yes, they have the video. Canvas has a great video mm -hmm. um, that shows them that exactly. And mm -hmm. then I have them do that. And, you know, there are a lot of other things you can do, like the three truths and a lie. I mean, there's a lot of different things you can use to um to do it. So in 101, I do it in English, but in 102 and 201, it's in Spanish. Okay. But again, it's simplified Spanish. Right, right. So basically, it's more of an icebreaker and then you build up on it. Yes, exactly. exactly. Trying to not be cheesy because I know when you were working on those, we were running that by our own kids, right? Who were like, oh, I know my my kids both rolled their eyes at the three truths and one line. They're like, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. That one is so done. It's like, they're like, we've been doing that all through high school. We're done with that. Right. I mean, so, you know, it really just it does depend on um, on the students and the level, their age, all that comes into play. And it's something, um, of course, you do the discussion boards, you do the writing. I use Flipgrid for that um because then they can watch the videos they can respond to other people that type of thing but um it can also be used if you have face-to-face -face classes or if you're just remote not even being online because that's the additional outside of the classroom and i think that's where a lot of times they build a little bit more of their community is right outside of the classroom by collaborating so that can also be done even if you have a face-to-face Yes, and you can use Flipgrid, just like you said, just like you can the discussion board, or you can use VoiceThread, mm -hmm. or we have GoReact, um, and you can actually make it where all of the students see each other's GoReact videos mm -hmm. as well. Okay, and then the last, probably the last thing I think in the how-to is where we also have, you, you mentioned it a little bit before, but we have specific technology that we're using so that we're introducing them to that as well. We have them signed for Remind, both you and I use Remind. Mm -hmm. um, and I know a lot of college uh, professors don't do that because it's, well, either they don't know about it or it's seen as a K through 12. But honestly, my students absolutely love using Remind because they know they can message me just about any time I will an answer them. Now Remind has made it where they can message um, each other and the teacher. So it's basically you're combining GroupMe with uh, individual LMS or SMS text mm -hmm. messaging um, in one bundle. So right. it makes it a little bit easier for them. And my students, I, I need to ask them whether they were using Remind or whether they went to GroupMe on their own, but they were communicating and I had absolutely no idea what was going on what they were talking amongst themselves. So it's always good because that means they're talking. That means there is community. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yes. Yeah, so that then once you have all of those are some of the basic things that we do. I also have my students do talk abroad. Mm -hmm. So they need to know how to do that. Again, you use Flipgrid. So they need to know how to do that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, any other tech that you think you might use during, during um, the course of the semester, especially things that you 
are going to be using frequently and that are going to be graded. Right. Those are the issues that you've got to make sure that they know how to do those things. And so, like I said, in level one, we worry about cognitive load. So it's all in English. But by the time they get to 102 or level two, they should be somewhat familiar. So you start doing more of it in Spanish because they can handle the new vocabulary, right? Um, hopefully, because in 101, you've after the getting started module, you start using, you know, things like upload, download, you know, <laughs> different things like that, so that they can understand that tech jargon by the time you get to level two and level three. And so your getting started module is slightly different. Right. But you also might have students who transfer in who are not familiar with it, and you would adjust your getting started module you know, accordingly. So you might not need to have a how to submit an assignment because by the time they get to level three, they should know that. Whereas I need that in my third semester course because there are a lot of people who will come in and they test straight in to 201. Mm -hmm. So they, they have never seen my, my learning management system. So they do need this. So it's all going to depend on your particular circumstance. But, you know, just having some kind of getting started module is, I think, essential. And again, you know, I've surveyed my students both face to face and online because I now do it with both of them. They all say that they love it. Even my 201 students, by the time some of them have done it three times, they're like, I understand why it needs to be done. And sometimes it's a good refresher and it's getting me back into my Spanish when I have to write, you know, and introduce myself if it's been all summer or mm -hmm. something like that. So I really don't have very many negatives uh, from people on it. Well, and it's pretty quick. So that's the, if it was something that was very time consuming, we would have a lot more pushback, but we're making, they're very short. Everything is very targeted. So yes. maybe it looks like, oh, there is a lot and that can be overwhelming. And I think that was kind of a bit of an aha moment, right? When I saw it that um, well, Victoria had it back in the summer when I did a Calico course that she was on and where she showed it and really showed the different stuff. And I realized she had that mm -hmm. and talked about it, how she's got, you know, this activity will take you approximately five minutes to complete. This will take you approximately 10 minutes to complete. And for the students, they see that and then they see, oh my gosh, there is a lot. But then they say, oh, that's going to take you five minutes. And they go, oh, I can do that in five minutes. No problem. Well, making a screenshot, like 30 seconds. I mean, <laughs> it's well, really... Yeah. I mean, you have the time of the video and the time of, you know, going and doing it. So, you know, potentially, and then it doesn't take them quite as long and they're even happier about it. Yes. So it, it does make a, a big difference. You know, I knew you and I had talked about it because you had it. I did that course this summer because I do have an online course. It's an actual online course. And then I wasn't exactly sure where the fall was going to go for my other regular courses. And I thought I want to be better prepared than what I am because I still felt very highly unprepared. And so seeing it that's when I had that moment of oh yeah and the letter and think about anything that you have done what you have had to learn and mine was this summer because we had a training um, session with my my university and everything was all over the place I didn't know where to find anything there were so many messages in the 
um, in the discussion board in the little cohorts that we had were groups of 10 because we didn't know where to find anything. We didn't understand the instructions. We fully didn't know. And they had had messages beforehand going, hey, remember you're doing this and you're going to have that. But there were so many details missing out of that. And then I did this course and now they preach what they practice. So before the course started, we had a welcome email with, hey, this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. Here is how this is going to go down. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely fabulous. So I inspired myself for that to write my letter to my students. That was very, very nice to see. And I ended up course I had one course that was online and then my regular university they were synchronous online so we were remote um, but it still helped a lot because I did not spend nearly as much time answering the same question over and over and over so I'm gonna keep using that no matter what so this is a time saver on so many levels because you have it, they can refer back to it, they can see it before the class start. And then whatever you're assigning out of that, that they have to do it, you give them a week past the official start of the class and ta-da, it's done. Right. And, you know, I think too, um, you know, you could do a good mixture of, you know, maybe, maybe you don't want to do all videos. Maybe you want to do like the choir people did and send step by step. So they actually have to read mm -hmm. and follow those step by step instructions. I think that I'm, you know, that's something that's important as well. Yes. Well, the step-by-step -step is not bad. Personally, I like the step-by-step -step because depending what I'm doing, um, like what was it I was doing recently um, with UAB, I had to, um, I'm so happy I'm rejoining UAB, even if it's part-time doing online classes. And um, so they had to rehire me. So I had to do uh, new paperwork. And then they sent me something and they say, oh, well, now we need this information. So I'm like, okay, how am I supposed to do that? They had the step-by-step. -step. So on one screen, I had the step and I was like, okay, it said to do this. Yeah, I see it. Let me click on this. Now it tells me to do this. Let me click on that. So it's a little bit easier too than watching it on the video where then you kind of have to remember unless you're going and then you're pausing and going along with that. So, but yeah, a mix might not be a bad thing either because then it shows them different ways of doing it. Yeah. Um, it's not all the same. It keeps some variety. Yeah. So anything else you want to add to that? I think that's, that's a lot of food for thought right there. <laughs> it is. And it takes a moment to do. Um, and, but like you said, backward design, think what do they need to have in their hands? What do you want their takeaway to be from that whole unit? and go with it. And like anything else we've said, start small, do a couple of things and then keep adding. Yes. And you will, once you start seeing the benefits, you'll be like, oh man, mm -hmm. and the time saving and the e because you don't get the emails. I mean, <laughs> you just don't. No, you don't. Or the questions in class when you're walking in because, and it removes that the temptation because let's face it and even in college they do the same thing they will ask you a question because well maybe they're not completely sure so somebody will be asking but then ah, they don't really want to work so they're going to keep on asking 
and then you keep adding to it. But this, it kind of shuts the door to that. So you can focus, and I'm not saying you can't have conversations with your classes that don't necessarily relate to language. I mean, to, to some extent, they will relate to language. Maybe it's, maybe it's culture, maybe it's something else, right? Um, but it at least removes this from them wanting to waste time because you can be like, okay, if you genuinely have a question, you have the video, then you can drop me a message and then we'll address it and go from there with that. And one thing that I have done with my classes is um, maybe they had questions. So I did before they started, especially since it was a little bit of a different semester, I did a little survey, like, who are you? What pronouns do you use? Uh, where are you from? Will you be in class, out of class, you know, in a different time zone? Where are you going to be? What are you concerned about? Those kind of things. And then I did little videos and I posted the videos that would answer some of those questions. So if they had something, again, there it is, but they have access to it. So more than one person had that question. Well, that's okay. It's addressed in this little video. So that also put a face, especially if you're teaching online, you know, that social presence is not always there. It helps establish that. And then you're responding to them specifically. So it's not just a general um, video that you can put in any of the classes, then it shows specifically answering their specific question. And then you can use that, like you said, for further, for the questions they might have. All right. So we could keep going for a long, long time on that. But like you said, that's a lot of food for thought. So I think we probably want to leave it to that. Yeah. And we'll go to our aha moment. Well, you know, I'm not sure I've got one. <laughs> you go first. Let me think. Okay. So I'm going to tie my aha moment to what we've been talking about, um, because at some point during the semester, it kind of hit me that we've been talking about inclusive teaching. We've been talking about being mindful of our students, that we are incorporating everything. And then in some other conversation through an actful um, special interest group that I belong to, conversation was came up and was talking about dyslexic students and we tend to think dyslexia of oh they remove letters and that's that well it's a lot more complex than just swapping letters um some of it it causes problems with grammatical structures that type of thing and so i've had when I started thinking about them and other things that were happening at the same time, it, it had me thinking that if we want to teach inclusively, we need to have the information for all of our students in a way that makes sense. And having this type of um, units or modules with the getting started, it makes our teaching a lot more inclusive. Because if we have a student that has some sort of learning disability, we're covering it in class, and yes, they've seen it and that's it. Well, then what do they do if they didn't catch something? They're kind of stuck. 
So here they can go back and they can watch it. And if they need to watch it 10 times before they get it, they can watch it 10 times before they get it, right? Maybe they have to try it, keep trying and trying before they can complete the assignment for whatever reason. So that's kind of what I came to that. And obviously when you're doing face-to-face, recording your classes is not the easiest thing to do and not exactly possible because the classes are not set up for it. But uh, even doing it virtually, whether my students were there or not, I recorded it and posted then for my students to have because it makes for a more inclusive kind of teaching. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my aha. It's not of necessarily a recent one. It's a built up one throughout the semester. Yeah, well, you know, that just kind of actually, because I was like, I don't really have anything because, you know, we, it was Thanksgiving and mm-hmm. actual, and I was just so exhausted. And I'm like, I just am chilling. And my husband was actually very impressed that I did not, I left my, we were at my parents over the weekend and I left my iPad in the car <laughs> and it stayed there all weekend. Wow, know, so I am impressed. Yeah, I have nothing from you. I didn't even have a roll tide on Saturday. I know, right? Because I, well, I mean, we had, um, I had my grandson too, but um, yeah, I just, I just totally disconnected. Um, and so I was like, oh, I don't really have an aha moment, but what you just said may actually made me think. So um, I've spent a lot of time making videos for my online classes um, and especially grammar videos because my, a lot of my students said that the textbook videos were terrible. Mm-hmm. They were dry, they were confusing, all of this kind of stuff. But you know, I'm thinking that I should probably include those textbook grammar videos um, in the resources because mm-hmm. You know, what if they watch my video and they don't get it the way that I present it? True. It's not like, you know, like in class, I can try to present it a different way. Mm-hmm. But online, asynchronously online, that's tough. And so I'm thinking that I might, you know, in, in, in terms of inclusivity, I might be needing to rethink that and go, if you do not get what I'm saying with these grammar videos here, check this out. Mm-hmm. And see if that helps you, you know, because I had not, I had not thought about that. Um, but there might be some people that would need that straight, more straightforward because I do, you know, I mean, I do most of, of what I do in context and, you know, deductively, they're figuring it out. I'm like, do you see this pattern or that pattern? And there are some who may not can get it that way. And they may need the, here is what you do. Right. So I might, I probably need to rethink that for next semester. Well, I'm glad I added something to your to-do list. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks a lot. (laughs) I always need more in my to-do list. It doesn't, isn't that what typically happens? You and I get together and then we have a to-do list that suddenly grows by how, I don't know how many items. I know. I know. I try not to think about it. Anyway, there you have it getting started unit for online teaching or even face-to-face or remote or hybrid or whatever type of teaching on your head that you might be doing. That's right. And if you want more information about what we do, or if you have other things that you add, we would love to hear from you too. So you can drop us a line at stepintomondays at gmail.com 
or hit us up on Twitter at Into Mondays. We really would love to hear from you. Or send us a message on Facebook. Oh, I forget about Facebook. <laughs> so new. This is I, I got to add that to my list. Facebook. That's right. Step into Mondays. There's a shock for you on Facebook. Check us out there as well. Yep. We're starting to be everywhere. I have actually been thinking, can we get a TikTok and work it that way? But... <laughs> Oh, no, I don't know about that. <laughs> but I don't think that we're going to get there. But now if you have a thought on how we can do a TikTok, please do share as well. Yeah, there you go. So that is it. And actually, I think this is our last episode before the, the, the holiday break. So we are not going to be sharing new episodes um, the week of Christmas, the week of New Year's, because... We all need to be focusing on what's important on all of the holidays. And I said Christmas, but I know there are other holidays surrounding that. Right. Um, so we want to be mindful of all of the holidays, give everybody space for it, give ourselves space for it. But we will see you again uh, in early January, in the first Monday of January, I think, not January 1st. Um, I don't know when January 1st is. So have a very nice holiday break. If you miss us, there's plenty of episodes you can listen to again. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. So there is no reason to miss us. And then, you know, we'll, we'll be on social media here and there. So happy holidays and hasta montag. <laughs> <laughs> You're crazy. I'll <laughs> you.